InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. Young children today may struggle with mental health issues, including anxiety and depression. What's causing this trend, and how can parents watch for it? InfoTrack's Roy Mackey has the story. Roy? Thank you, Chris. Our guest is neuroscientist Dr. Caroline Leaf, host of the podcast Cleaning Up the Mental Mess and now author of the book How to Help Your Child Clean Up Their Mental Mess. Dr. Leaf, let's begin with kind of an overview of the state of kids and mental health in America today. Some people might say it's worse than ever. Do you agree? It is worse than ever, and I do agree with that, but I also don't agree because I think that the mental health crisis is a symptom of something bigger. And the bigger thing is that we're not teaching our children how to manage their minds. Because the way that you manage your mind influences how you're going to deal with the challenges of life. And if we constantly just look at things like anxiety, depression, or overactivity, or focus problems, or concentration, or children battling with whatever they're battling with as a symptom of a brain disease, which is how it's been kind of described in this day and age and has been for the last 40-odd years, then you miss the whole picture. You pathologize childhood, you medicalize misery, and you don't take into account the fact that children in life are being challenged by all kinds of struggles and adults. This is the nature of life. So we need to help our kids to deal with what to do when you're bullied, how to understand the three the signals in your child, how to recognize abuse, how to recognize when your child's spending hours on social media and it's changing the way that the brain functions and what's driving you and how to manage that and These are the conversations that we're not having enough of. We're just seeing a symptom, diagnosing and labeling and medicating under a biomedical model. And that has actually made things worse. And the research is there to back it up. What do you see young people struggling with the most? Obviously different age groups, but the big thing that is blamed a lot for the mental health crisis is social media. And to a certain extent that is correct, but social media is not bad. It's how it's managed. Now, how are you teaching your child to understand the impact of what's actually happening when you scroll through social media for hours at a time. You know, whatever you think about the most is growing in your brain as a protein structure because of neuroplasticity of your brain. That protein structure also then embodies it in the mind. It's like an instruction that goes through from the brain to the body via the mind and it becomes embodied. So if we experience for example, staring at the social media and maybe looking at someone's body image, thinking, well, if I'm not like that, I'm of no value. And hours and days later of that kind of thinking, you've wired that into your psycho-neurobiological network, your mind-brain-body connection. And that then drives how you show up in life. And it's going to lead to things like feeling depressed, feeling anxious, losing identity, withdrawing, seeing life as, you know, life sucks, I can't cope, I'm not good enough. And potentially even landing up with a lot of body dysmorphia issues or not eating properly. That's just an example. So teaching children, that would be a big crisis is the mind management. We really need to teach our children how to recognize when they are feeling disturbed, when something's happened, how it's affecting them, and then give them the tools to be able to talk about that and how to talk about that. That's really, really important. And all the things you just described, I think, kind of sum up your series of books and your podcast that you term mental messes, right? Yes, absolutely. So as humans, it's inevitable that we're going to be faced with multiple mental messes throughout our lifetime. And some will be small. And I always talk about a scale of one to 10. And the small stuff is like those irritating, maybe a little argument with a sibling or getting stuck in traffic if you're adult driving or, you know, the little things that can irritate us, the washing machine breaking or the car breaking down or 
those things which are frustrating, but they're not a trauma. Then you get the middle of the scale, which is your sort of three, four, five, six, and sevens, which are habits that are developing, ways that we've responded that we potentially shouldn't have, and we get into the habit or social media type of activity or not really focusing deeply on information in our very fast information technology age where we just have so much information and we just scan headlines instead of thinking deeply. So we've moved into a society not thinking deeply enough about things and that can create patterns of mess in our brain on that scale, on the level of sort of the three, four, five, sixes and sevens and that disrupts functioning in an increasing way. And then your eights, nines and tens would be your traumas. So things like sexual abuse and physical abuse and racism and you know, extreme states of being bullied and war and that sort of thing. And all of those are messy. And just being alive is messy. And so it's really important that we understand that it's okay to be a mess, that we give ourselves as adults that motivation and understanding it's okay to be a mess, but I need to know how to manage the mess. Same thing with our children. We need to let them see as an adult, it's hard, life is messy, I have a bad day, I yelled at you, I felt bad. Let me discuss this with you. Let me process. So it's acknowledging what we're going through, acknowledging our messes, and then showing our children, or if you're a teacher, your students, or if you're an adult, yourself and your partner and whoever, your people at work, that it's okay to be a mess, but I need to manage that mess. And, you know, that is really key, and that's kind of what the messiness is. Dr. Leaf, one of the areas you write about are potential warning signals that parents should be on the lookout for. What are those four red flags? So the emotions, which are things like depression and anxiety and frustration and irritation, withdrawing, very sad, withdrawing from people. So then the next one would be behavioral warning signals, and that would be what they're saying, what they're doing, how they're saying it, how they're doing it. So maybe they're speaking in a really angry tone, or they just don't want to speak, or they're suddenly not sharing, or they're having nightmares, or they are suddenly not wanting to go somewhere where they used to go. So changes in behavior, what they say, what they do is the second one. The third one is what's going on in your body as you feel that sadness or that depression or that anxiety or that combination of emotions and as you notice your behaviors are changing what are you feeling in your body because every experience that we have is embodied in our mind brain body network so very often you can feel depression and every time you feel that depression because of a certain situation you feel gut ache or your child maybe says oh i've got a headache or i've got a stomach ache or you feel your heart fluttering in certain situations So you need to pay attention to that as well because we get lots of information from these signals. The fourth signal is your perspective or your attitude, how you're looking at life. So very quick summary, maybe your child is showing up or you're showing up feeling depressed and anxious and the emotional warning signal. You're feeling maybe in your body you've got battling with gut ache or your heart's fluttering or both. And maybe your behaviors are that you're just snapping at everyone and maybe your perspective is something like life sucks. And those signals are information. They're not symptoms of a disease. They are signals that if we draw into them, we can start describing and understanding how we are showing up. What do these signals mean? Because those signals are how you're showing up. So if we dig down deep, we can actually start finding out that it's a source of why am I showing up like this? And what can I do about this? And this is happening. What can I do? So we go through a process from the signals of deconstructing and reconstructing. You devote uh, an entire chapter to what you call a superpower, and it's called the neurocycle. Tell us what the neurocycle is and why that's so important. Absolutely. I've been mentioning that experiences become part of our 
mind and brain and body. It's brain like form protein like trees in our body. They form changes in our cells and then in our mind it's like a gravitational field. So we have a network and every experience, even this conversation out, it becomes a network and those become the things that drive how we function. So in my research over the past 38 years, and I've applied this on a clinical level too, I still do research, was to try and understand how do experiences like this conversation, like being bullied at school, like having a problem at work, like being bombarded by all the information that we have, like getting stuck on social media, all of these experiences we have from the time we wake up till the time we go to sleep, how do those get from outside through our mind into our brain, into our body? How do they form into memories and thoughts and what, where do emotions fit in the picture, all that kind of thing. And then how that combination shows up and then how we can recognize that combination by the signals and then the embrace process and reconceptualize these. And the neurocycle is the tool of how you do that. So that whole process of how it gets in, into the mind and how we show up is a very scientific process. So what I've done is created a system that is based on the science of how this happens And then when you learn the system, you can then go from the signals and you can use the five steps of the system to literally rewire your network and change how the networks that are driving you function. So you can't change what's happened to you, like whatever abuse or whatever situations happened, but you can change what it physically looks like in the mind-brain-body connection. And therefore, you can change how it plays out into your future. And that's what the NeuroCycle does. Five-step process that you can apply in a few seconds and you can apply it for, for little easy things For the big traumas, you use it daily in a planned and guided way for around 5 to 15 to 45 minutes over cycles of 63 days, which is the time it takes to rewire the networks of the brain. I know you wrote a whole chapter, a whole book about this, but could you give us just maybe one brief example of a life experience where you could apply a neurocycle? Absolutely. So I'll give you a simple one. Let's say, for example, um, there's a divorce happening in a home and the child may be six or seven or something, so they don't feel that they can say too much to the child, maybe not sharing enough details, and the child's very confused or they're not saying anything. So that child is absorbing that experience of this disruption in the home and the conflict between the parents, and it's all kind of behind doors, but they know something's going on and they may be here shouting. And So that's an experience that that child is wiring in. Right? They don't understand what's going on. Being a child, they'll wire that into their network. And it starts driving their functioning and they start thinking, well, there's something wrong with wool. And maybe this comes out in them backing at school or not paying attention at school or maybe fighting with friends at school or not wanting to eat properly or whatever. So some different ways because that energy buildup of not understanding what's going on builds up and, and it kind of makes them crash. So the way to handle that is, first of all, as parents, it's really important parents, teachers, caregivers, uncles, aunts, grandparents, that we are very honest and authentic about our own experiences. The best way to help a child is to show them that you're helping yourself. Children do very well when you model that life doesn't need to be pathologized, that bad experiences happen, that negative emotions are not the end of the world, that these are messengers. And by modeling and showing how you are messy and handling your mess is way better to help a child than just pretending it's not there. So they don't know what to do with their own feelings. Children love authenticity. They respond to it. They also read body language extremely well. So for this kind of situation, it would be a two-pronged approach. So let's say you as the parents, maybe the parents sit down and say, we have been very frustrated and angry at each other. As your parents, we're not angry at you. So there's the emotions. So you identify. This is the first step. You can identify those four warning signals. And this is called gather awareness. So you sit down with the child or children 
in the scenario I've created and you would say, I'm really sorry, we've been very upset and angry with each other, but it's not you and you'd label a few emotions. And you say, this has made us seem shout at each other and maybe if you've been snappy with you and we haven't been spending enough time with you, behaviors. Then you're going to say, you know, it's making both of us, you know, we, the mom can maybe say, or one of the parents can maybe say, maybe they're having a sore stomach or maybe they're getting headaches or they're not feeling so well because of the association and link from the, the emotions or the behaviors. All these four signals are always linked to each other. So you always want to show the connection. It's never emotions alone. So you would basically go through the four signals. Then that's gathering awareness, which is step one, where you start doing great stuff in your brain by loosening up all the protein branches. Think of a tree and you now can change it. So it's not tight and fixed and controlling you. By doing the gather awareness, you're actually changing the thought tree. So you're loosening up the experience to fix it. That's pretty much what's happening. Then you're going to have to go to the next step, which is to reflect. And that's now asking the why. So you explain to the child, well, in whatever age appropriate we get on it's very sad start explaining the why then the third step is to write that down and not in a journal fashion but in more of a descriptive like all over the place drawings pictures on a piece of paper when I say all over the place in patterns the more creative you get on the page the more you open up the mind and you get everything out the feelings it gets the child to interact the associated thoughts the experiences of the child all kinds of it, it pulls it up into the conscious mind and then you would look at all of that messiness which is the step three step four is to recheck where you looking at what you've written to make sense of it and to say okay well this is what's happened what we're going to do this is what we it's very sad we understand and we're going to talk about your emotions we're going to work through that and how it's affecting you and then the act of reach the first step is to start doing an actual action that moves in the right direction now, i've gone to that really quickly but you, you wouldn't fix this all up in one neurocycle you would but that process of going through those five sequential steps is changing the firing in the brain and the neuroplasticity and you're creating a way to help the child and the adults to cope with the situation, wiring in a better driver. Otherwise, all the wrong experiences are going to be distorted inside the brain affecting the child and they can go into adulthood with all kinds of trauma affecting how they go into relationships. So that's an example. Neuroscientist Dr. Caroline Leaf, the author of the book, How to Help Your Child Clean Up Their Mental Mess. Dr. Leaf, thank you so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. You're listening to InfoTrack, a production of Syndication Networks of Chicago.